0: Listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast: Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Hello, my friends. This is Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist, and I'm here as always to offer insights and tips and research findings that you can use to improve your relationship today, right now. And I'm thrilled to be here today because my guest is a fellow Canadian who is going to hook you up with some very sage and practical advice on an extremely important, but also, in my opinion, distressing topic. And that is sex and relationships after children. But before I invite our guest, Allison, to join me. I want to send a big thank you to adamandeve.com, adamandeve.com, your online source for all things sexy, from vibrators to kegel balls, lingerie, and more. And you can get 50% off, that's right, half off almost any item from adamandeve.com, plus free shipping on your entire order to Canada or the States with discount promo code JESS, J-E-S-S, for 50% off. That's pretty, pretty good if you ask me. Now, I've asked Alison Schaefer, whom I met on the Marilyn Dennis show. She's a family counselor, parenting expert, and best-selling author. I've asked Alison to join me today because I came across a rather distressing piece of research yesterday. The headline rings out, three decades of research shows kids ruin your romantic Relationship. Now, this is from SciPost, a psychology news and research website, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background. This is what they say. For around 30 years, researchers have studied how having children affects a marriage, and the results are conclusive. The relationship between spouses suffers once the kids come along. Comparing couples with and without children, researchers found that the rate of decline in relationship satisfaction is nearly twice as steep for couples who have children than for those who don't. And in the event that a pregnancy is unplanned, the negative impacts are even greater. And the irony is, this is very interesting to me, the irony is that even as the marital satisfaction of new parents declines, the likelihood of them divorcing also declines. So having children may not only make you miserable, but you're gonna be miserable (laughs) together and this decrease, this decrease in marital satisfaction likely also leads to general unhappiness because the biggest predictor of overall life satisfaction is one satisfaction with their partner. And it's, it's interesting because so many young couples in particular think that having children will bring them closer together. And I could go on painting this dismal picture of the effect of children on happiness, but I do think it's about time I invite Allison Schaefer, our parenting expert, to weigh in, how are you, Allison? I'm
0: great. Thank you for that doom and gloom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to start off a show, isn't it?
0: Well, but you know, you you just bring up a very important point, which is there um, the dis the distance between our expectation for how we think kids are going to bring this joy to our life versus the reality. That when we're making consideration about having a parent, about having kids and being parents together, it is an added stress to the marriage. So are people up for the challenge of dealing with those stresses and giving it the due importance You know, from a counselling background? There's ways that we can keep that satisfaction, but it's off people's radars. They're, they're, they're kind of shocked and taken out that suddenly, why am I so unhappy? I didn't think it was going to be this hard. It was supposed to make us closer. So this is just about changing those expectations and motivating people to do the work.
1: Why do we have this expectation that a child is going to bring us closer? It's it's a baby made of love. <laughs> it's, it's half your genes and
0: half my genes. And so, you know, shouldn't it be the, the ultimate? Um, and, and again, we just have this uh, fairy tale notion, because unless you've been through parenthood, you forget that there is colic and postpartum depression. And now we're fighting over how many diapers did you change? And, you know, um, I haven't slept all night and you're still at the office and... <laughs> So all these things come up and those things are not brought to our attention in books and literature and magazines and there's really no preparation for it.
1: Do we even admit to it ourselves? Like, Do we, we tell our friends? I remember when I was younger and my, a couple of my friends were having kids and we hadn't had kids yet. Um, I always said that it was this big secret that they'd try and trick us into believing that parenthood was all full of joy so that we join them in their misery. Like, why don't we <laughs> talk about it? Yeah. Uh, well, I think the
0: advent of social media is changing that a little bit. That, you know, right now I think there's a, a real streak of uh, vloggers that kind of have as their tagline, like, you know, motherhood or parenthood, red hot mess. And they're kind sort of starting to almost go the other extreme and almost bragging about how awful their, their life is. Um, you know, I think maybe t- too much so. But mm-hmm. um, I think social media will probably open people's eyes to not only only what looks like the perfect pinterest family but also the the screaming kid having the meltdown at the restaurant that they now pick up their phone and record and and post and share so you know for the good and the bad maybe we're getting a more realistic um glimpse
1: fair enough Uh, the screaming kid having a meltdown or just in my case the screaming wife having a meltdown yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't want them all back. All right, let, let's get some some hard advice from from you. Yeah, um, let's start with the biggest issue, which is time. And wherever I go in the world, the number one complaint I hear from couples, regardless of whether they have children or not, although I'd say about ninety percent of my clientele do have children, time is the issue. How do you make time for your relationship uh, when you're busy, but also when the kids really suck your time and energy? Yeah. Uh, so, I, I just finished
0: listening to another podcast where they were interviewing Seth Godin, who's a big marketing guru, and, um, and he, I just loved what he had to say, he goes, you know, everyone is busy, 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 just stop anyone, that, how are you, how are you, how are you guys doing, busy, oh, I'm busy, oh, I'm busy, everybody is busy. We all get the same 24 hours. We've decided to start a family. We need to look at how we make choices about the 24 hours that we have. And so if we make conscious choices and say, if I want to use my time to reflect my value system then we would make different decisions. And I think putting, we know from the happiness research that having healthy relationships is the most important investment in our time. And if we look at time studies, we spend most of our time dropping our kids off at Kumon classes, dropping our kids off at um, tutors and karate. And um, we're eroding the relationships in the family because we think we're doing all this uh, extra added achievement-driven, um, uh, you know, um, e- events. And mm-hmm. the ba- the basic simple things of sitting around in the evening and reading a story together and having a long, lazy tuck-in and doing the dishes together, now that's outsourced to the nanny, outsourced to the cleaning lady. And mm-hmm. uh, are, I think that the core of the family is falling apart. Kids are very simple. They don't need a lot. They don't need all these extracurriculars. They need you. So I would say, Take a look at your value system. Take a look at what's important to you. And until you have those good, healthy relationships and you're feeling you're on solid ground, don't start adding other things. Say you know you can say you know no to the extracurriculars and the committee meetings and the fundraising for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. And don't add them. Not that they aren't meritorious, but don't add them until you feel like you really are on solid ground with your your kids and your partner.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that you say we all say we're busy. I think we need to get over. That cognitive hump of busy as a social status, right? Like we think we're more successful if we're busy. We're more important if we're busy, and really, none of us is that <laughs> important other than to our family and our children.
0: Right, and that's just part of the old Protestant work ethic and and living in a free economy where people can ambition can allow you to rise up. It's the whole American dream. Uh, and and taking time for leisure does not make you lazy or not ambitious. You're not going to get passed over for your job promotion because you're living a balanced life and I think that wellness in the workplace we're starting to wake up to the idea people need sleep people need to be well-rounded um, and so it, with new couples that have babies what we tend to do is we we can often lose the friendship with our partner because they become more like a task master and um, we forget about the, the romantic part because we're spending all our time as a family at the park I think we have to give parents the courage to say, yes, you're important in your kid's life, but you know what? You could also get a babysitter, which is like horrific to, you know, nobody else can look after my kids like I can, to be able to say, you know, you guys need to to remember your friendship and and to go and not talk about the kids, go to a restaurant and, and kids are off the table. That's not a topic or go on a holiday on your own for a long weekend and rekindle and remember who your identities are as a, as lovers as friends outside the role of parent because you can just get sucked down that rabbit hole so easily
1: yeah and if you don't make time for one another you will lose the relationship nothing in life comes without time and effort you know i'm thinking back when i was a kid i had a babysitter i remember her she she was an old lady i mean she probably wasn't that old but when you're a kid everyone's old <laughs> uh, her name's emily and my mom and dad found her on a telephone pole there was an ad for a babysitter, and I think most parents today would would think, "Oh, look how irresponsible my parents were, just leaving her with a total stranger." But it meant that they were able to preserve their sanity and their own lives. Well,
0: and when we look at the divorce rates, um, you know, kids are, will be a uh, better served if they get to witness parents being in loving, mutually respectful relationships because we're modeling what healthy relationships look like. What does a balanced life look like? We are the educators of our kids by how we live our life, not by what we say, but what what we do. And uh, so to see them you know, having you hugging and kissing in the morning and to say, we're going on a date night. And, you know, that's wonderful for kids to see. And it rejuvenates the relationship so that parents stay intact. It's when you fight over parenting, don't invest in your own time.
1: Now you got a kid who's got a great mom and a great dad, but they're not together anymore. Right, right. And do you believe that some of us get obsessed with our children? And what can we do about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we get obsessed uh, because kids
0: have uh, become a little bit of like a a social status these days kind of like having kind of like having a trophy wife now we have trophy kids Ah. and we somehow think if I raise them up right as soon I mean I think this is where the shift happened when we suddenly realized not suddenly but when the research compounded and got to the general public that parenting makes a difference which I'm thrilled that we know because we used to just think (laughs) it was all we didn't know environment mattered we thought it was all genetic but now that we know parenting makes a difference of course that means these educated ambitious driven women who are have now you know hung up their apron strings and got gone off, gone off and got triple phds and are working in law firms and take a mat leave they tackle parenting with the same gusto and ambition as they do their work life and now we we you know if i'm going to take a leave i've got to accomplish something and so now you're going to judge me on my ability to raise my kid um, and so we put a lot of pressure on these kids and we're also told a scarcity story that says well, your kid's not going to get into Harvard if they don't know three languages and if they didn't weren't on the water polo team. And so there's this feeling of like people my kid's going to get left behind. My kid's not going to be employed. There's not enough jobs for everybody. So I think we all need to just settle down. <laughs> settle down, folks. Yeah. We've been raising kids for a long time. You got this thing.
1: <laughs> it's, it's okay. That that's, that's that's really interesting. I'm hearing a lot about status here, right? The status of being busy, the status of raising this model child. Uh and i think you know if we just let go of that and when when i say status it's it's really ego
0: you're right. And so one of the big concepts that I try to teach parents, because I want them to raise their kids differently than, than the mindset they have themselves, is if we can get into our minds the idea that your worth as a human being was given to you as your birthright, and it never increases or decreases. Sure, you can learn more math, and sure, you can learn more languages, but it doesn't actually improve your worth as a human being. It just means you have more skills, more mastery. It doesn't make you better. And kids often get the idea that if I make a a Mistake that my I have somehow it's a personal failure, and somehow I go down the ladder of worth. And if I don't want kids to have that belief, and so we have as, as parents have to challenge ourselves, well, maybe we need to change our internal thinking about that too, or we're going to pass that baton on to our kids as well. Um, so it's, uh, I think Carol Dweck has done some fabulous work on mindset, fixed versus growth mindset. There's all yeah. kinds of resources on the uh, internet and YouTube and TED Talks with her, and I think it's really important contribution she's made that we can all just like you said it, it, you can relax when you realize I don't need to prove myself with what I do I just need to be helpful and useful and grow that's really what we're called to do
1: that's really interesting and I was reading something you wrote about a style of communicating couples counsel can you tell me a little bit about that as it pertains to maintaining your relationship as a couple when you have young children so um what it is doing is making a
0: commitment to. Um, the accumulation of pus and resentment that can grow in a marriage and fester because you don't sit down and talk about relationship issues, um, and these things will just grow and fester over time. So uh, this style of communication is different than saying, "Hey, look, we really need to set aside some talk." I was really upset about how you disciplined the kids, or you know, why did you buy that car? The k- payments are too high. What th- that will lead to a typical style of communicating with your partner, where while they're talking, we're building our defensive rebut. And so we can hardly hear what they're saying because we're so ready to counterattack with what our um, counterpoint is. In a couple council, you make a commitment to block aside one hour. The first person gets the top half hour. The second person gets the second half hour and you rotate. So you switch between sessions. Who's going to go first? One person just talks, they've got the whole half hour. You might not talk for half an hour. You might sit quietly for 15 minutes and then talk for three and then think again for four. You, you can talk about whatever you want. It could be dreams. It could be planning. It could be things you didn't like about the week. And then the second half, you t- you turn the floor over and the second person can respond and and say, I didn't like what you said about this, or I think you misunderstood that. Or they can bring up completely different things. There's no There's no right or wrong. But what you'll find is that people get to the heart of their issues when they have the floor for a full half an hour, you hear a deeper side of the story so now it's not about you spent too much on car payments, it's I'm really fearful that we're not going to have enough in our retirement and that we can't put our kids through school and I've always my my goal was to be a parent who could do better for their kids than my parents did by me and you know this goes to so you're going to get deeper, you're going to get to the heart of the issues rather than like right wrong right wrong right wrong and character assassination so um, I, I find it's easier if people do it live Lying on the floor on their bed looking up at the ceiling so that you don't look at each other's facial expressions because if somebody rolls their eyeballs or crosses their arms it could really shut you down um but people report when they get when they're given this as homework that it becomes a tool that whenever they feel their marriage is kind of only firing on a couple of spark plugs and they need to like get things going better that this is their preferred way of of, of clearing the the backlog of, of resentment so I, I really recommend people try it out
1: That's really interesting. I'm going to give that a try and maybe I'll come back and report. Um, And I love the idea of lying on your back. I often tell people if you change positions and don't stare at each other in the eye, it changes the way you approach one another, right?
0: oh because eye eye contact in the animal kingdom is incredibly threatening <laughs> you know and if you're somebody who like me and well I guess maybe why I like learning about couple counsels, I'm very conflict avoidant and I'm a caregiver so if I see that what I'm saying to you is stressing you I'm much more likely to like stop talking and just not share my truth because I can see that's agitating you and not that you're getting mad at me but just even just like maybe you're embarrassed or whatever but you have to you have to get the communication out so if you're sensitized to that like I am I find not having the the feedback is actually uh is actually helpful to allow you to push through and get the the commentary out
1: yeah that makes sense especially if you're very skilled at cut eye like i am it's in my blood (laughs) (laughs) so he is much better lying on on his back and not looking at me now Let's get to some some really practical things. How do we get away from the kids and not talk about the kids? How do we practice self-care? What are some simple things, even one thing, everybody can do today? Because it's easy to look back and say, oh, it's been seven years or 11 years, and this is the way we do things. But I think we forget that we can change our behavior this moment. Yeah. Well, I would say to people, think of it as a problem that needs a
0: solution and start getting creative. Instead of saying, well, you know, we'd go on a date night, but we don't have money. You don't have to spend money. You can go for a walk. Um, My date nights used to be having um, a a bottle of wine, nachos and watching West Wing. (laughs) But because there was was anticipation and because we kind of made it special because we were adding like some special food and wine to be, we we looked forward to it. It was like our little thing. Um, And for other people, um, they say, well, we don't have time. We're too distracted with the kids. And they said, well, they started having um, lunch meetings because they both were at work. So they, were, they ha- the kids were at school or with a nanny or daycare, or whatever. So they started having lunch meetings and the same thing. So go get a hotel for an hour. You can have a naughty lunch. <laughs> I love you
1: know, that. And I like that date night is nachos and and wine. It doesn't have to be about sex. I hate the idea that we have date night on Wednesdays and we have to have sex. You don't have to have sex on date night
0: no not at all now i will say and this is a, a, again just education to women a lot of women say you know like i just had a baby and i'm nursing so you know my breasts feel maternal they don't really feel sexual i got a kid hanging off my leg all the time i'm just not all into that touchy feeling when i get when i get that feeling back then we can resume sex if you wait you're probably never going to carry it's going to be way longer till you get there but in fact sometimes starting with affection and i say affection because i don't want people to think i'm talking heavy petting but sometimes you know holding hands and having somebody give you a shoulder rub and then if, if you just by the by my god he's rubbing my shoulders and my neck I'm getting some little goosebumps here maybe I'm a little bit more in the mood than I thought and you can shut it down and say no you know what it didn't it didn't work for me but thank you for the shoulder rub that was still lovely that's still intimacy <laughs> that's still loving and caring but you might be surprised if you just say I'm not feeling like it you're never going to make your way upstairs to the bedroom and get out the massage oil but if you never. say what well, Right, and if you say, well, let's try with the massage oil, but if I say it's not happening, you, of course, we have to be respectful like any other time, but I would just say to women, you know, give it a shot, I think you might be surprised, and um, what a wonderful thing if you can get back to that form of, of intimacy, because that oxytocin is a, a bond-building hormone, and it does help us get past our, our resentments and our, our grudges, and it does let us say, you know what, yeah, even for all the crap in this marriage, yeah, you're, st- you're still wonderful. Yeah. And that's hormonal. hormonal.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you, you, if you wait until you're turned on, if you wait until you're in the mood to get yourself turned on, it's never going to happen. Sometimes you have to get yourself turned on first. And, and women, yeah. I don't think all women know that. I think that's like, that's that part
0: of sex education that they didn't tell us in the grade seven curriculum. Cause they're too busy busy telling us about how not to get pregnant. <laughs> well,
1: exactly. And I, even with adults, they don't realize that, you know, arousal first desire is the norm for many of us, regardless of gender. If you, yeah. like, we're so distracted by so many things in our lives that if you wait until you're in the mood, it's like going to the gym. It's just never going to happen. Sometimes you have to push yourself a little, again, not doing things you don't want to do. But uh, I also think women, after children need to be a bit more selfish I always read advice that like oh you can do other things like a hand job I'm like forget the hand job tell him to go down on you make it or right I mean regardless of the gender of your partner tell your partner to what do you it too. You. you just carried a baby for 10 yeah. months and then pushed it out of your vagina they can do something for you for 30 minutes yeah that's right <laughs> like I don't think your neck is sore
0: yeah, no, that's
1: right. That's right.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Women are not very good at speaking up uh, for what they need. Um, and I think, you know, now that we're also having conversations about consent, like it isn't a one time conversation, right? It's, it's an ongoing dialogue as one day may be different from another. Um, but you've got to be just as good of a communicator in bed around your, your sex life ongoing as, as those couple councils about car payments and who's changing diapers. It's just, we have to make it a less, as you know, this is your whole occupation, less of a taboo topic, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think sometimes we need to treat it more like we treat our businesses. I want to hear more from you, but we are out of time. Where can people find you? Well, uh, so
0: my website is Um, and uh, that's really the hub that will point out to all the different places, but I've got a wonderful YouTube channel that's got lots of video clips as well and I'm, um, I'm also on Huffington Post. I do so much writing and vlogging for them that I hardly get to put stuff on my own site anymore, so I have my own tab on the HuffPost Canada uh, parenting section and uh, so I've, there's tons of articles and videos there too.
1: Okay, awesome. And will I see you on Marilyn Dennis anytime soon on CTV? I
0: hope so. I know. Why haven't we been in the green room?
1: So we'll just we'll have to get our producers to do a, another uh, joint conversation. This sounds great. Thank you so much. I really think we got some important information here. The first piece to me that stood out is this no ego parenting and no ego loving. And I think if we actually got rid of our ego and the status associated with parenting and with being a partner, we'd probably solve all of the problems <laughs> to I begin with. Yeah, so that that piece is so important. Also the part about your worth not increasing or decreasing with skills or accomplishments. These are both just cognitive uh I think roadblocks we need to get over. And then finally that couples counsel piece is very interesting. I'm interested as to whether or not my listeners will give it a try and give us a little bit of feedback because it, it almost sounds a bit intimidating just listening and speaking. For 30 minutes and if it sounds intimidating it's probably because you know something's making me uncomfortable and if I'm uncomfortable it means it's it's a space to grow so thank you so much for that well oh,
0: you're quite welcome and um you know if, if half an hour seems like a burden to people start at 20 minutes and grow the time you'll be surprised at how fast it goes but just just give it a try
1: oh excellent okay thank you so much thank you again to Allison Schaefer and thanks to adamandeve.com your online source for all things sexy get off almost any item, plus free shipping on your entire order with the promo code, the narcissistic promo code, (laughs) Jess. So, J-E-S-S for 50% off almost any item. We've got anything from dillos to anal beads to lace gloves and everything in between. So, thank you very much. Thank you to you for tuning in. I love hearing from you. So, please do hit me up on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook sex with dr jess and if you do end up trying out any of uh, allison's rather novel approaches to not only improving a relationship after kids but just improving a relationship as a whole please do let me know until next time have a lovely week
0: you're listening to the sex with dr jess podcast improve your sex life
1: improve your life